Good day, and welcome to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, putting the P in professionally managed vacation rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Management Professionals Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs. And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge, Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals across the nation, or as we like to call it, Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. In the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, And most importantly, have fun doing it. We are back and better than ever. I'm Tim. And I'm Sarah. And I'm Michelle. Michelle. Tim, we have a Michelle. Who's who's our guest today? Michelle, our friend from Gulf Shores, Alabama. Remember, we have a third person on the podcast now, Sarah. Yes, Michelle Hodges who works and is running Meyer Vacation Rentals, a very large vacation rental company down there at the beach where it's probably very sunny right now. Am I right? Indeed it is. So welcome. Michelle, you were saying right before we started recording that you listened to some of our recent podcasts. Everyone's commenting on Clark Twitty taking his group to Paris. So we're wondering what trouble you're going to get us in today. I'm going to be able to uh, to match that one. <laughs> well, that might be good for all of us other owners that aren't taking their company to international trips. But tell us a little bit about your company, Michelle. Well, first, I'm so excited that you guys invited me to be on your booming podcast. You guys have really taken off and proud of both of you, and I really enjoy listening to them. So congratulations on a great idea and implementing it. You guys are awesome. That said, so I am with Meyer Vacation Rentals. We started business in 1967, so we just celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. Our inventory ranges from efficiency size condominiums to 20-bedroom single-family homes. We have about 1,150 properties spanned over about 38 miles of beach. So we cover Fort Morgan, Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, Alabama, and then into the Panhandle with Perdido Key, Florida. And we've diversified a bit. So we started with real estate sales in the 60s. We incorporated vacation rentals shortly after that. Today, we have a commercial laundry, Star Textile Services, here in Alabama, and and a plant in New Orleans, Louisiana, too, with customers along the Gulf Coast. So we have a few different business units today. First off, I want to go back. We were talking about the previous podcast, and interesting, you are also a second-generation vacation rental owner slash manager. Talk to us about the challenges that that provides. Well, I actually, we had our quarterly anniversary luncheon today, and I got my certificate for 12 years. They actually did 20 years because they made a play on me (laughs) growing up here and spending summers and whatnot, but I haven't really been here full-time 20 years. It's been 12, but yeah, so my mom, Sheila Hodges, is president and chairman of our organization. She has been part of the organization since probably the 70s or so. She started as a real estate agent and ended up becoming partner in the 80s and buying out her partner in the 90s and has been sole owner since 
since maybe 93. I started with the organization really not ever wanting to be a part of it because she is such a powerhouse. Growing up, she's very well known in our community and has a very well-known career and has grown a fabulous company. And I thought if I got involved here, I would just be a shadow under her wing. So I, I really never thought much about it until she happened to get really, really sick about 12 years ago. She actually ended up in ICU pretty quickly and unexpectedly, and it kind of shook the family. I'm the youngest of four kids and had just graduated college. So everybody kind of looked at me and said, <laughs> you're it. So I started in our guest relations department, the front desk, and fell in love with it. I, I loved hospitality. I knew I wanted to be in hospitality. I, I just didn't quite expect this career path to happen. But it has, and I'm thrilled. And 12 years later, here I am. And just to be clear, your mom is fine now. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. I think she set me up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's fate. But you love it now and you're passionate about it, right? Absolutely. And Michelle, what part do you do in your business? Just so everyone can understand what perspective you're coming from. So my mom is chairman of the board and, and we have Meyer Vacation Rentals, Century 21 Meyer Real Estate, Meyer Services, which is our housekeeping and maintenance teams, and Star Textile Services all with an umbrella company called SH Enterprises. That's our HR, accounting, IT function. So she's chairman of the five organizations. Les is CEO of the five, and I'm president of the five. And basically, Les and I have a fabulous partnership. We divide and conquer is the easy way I like to say it. He has primary oversight of Century 21 and STAR, and I do over Meyer Vacation Rentals, Meyer Service, and then we kind of split up the HR accounting responsibilities with SH Enterprises. Well, let me just say that you're a powerhouse as well, so don't sell yourself short there, lady. I'd like for you to talk, though, about the scale. How big and how many people? Okay, so we have around 1150 properties again over about those 38 miles of beach we have all of our entities combined we employ full-time year-round close to 500 team members and in this season that nearly doubles so we're heading into our season here on the coast it's the summertime so this week right now <laughs> today we're kicking off our season so you talk about the people there and pride yourself on quote stellar service and you mentioned STAR. STAR treatment is something that you talk about as well. How do you make sure those people understand how important their jobs are? We actually, this past year, celebrated, as I mentioned, our 50th anniversary. And we did a lot of fun things for that. But I started this year, our 51st year, wanting to make sure that tradition carries on with the experiences that people shared with us during our 50 years about their love of the Gulf Coast and their memories growing up here and how our company's been a part of those memories. So we started a movement this year called Hashtag Meyer Inspired and we promote that to our guests to get them to share their stories but also internally with our team members for them to share stories so we can talk about exactly that. Those outrageous acts of customer service that kind of give that experiential service and action, if that makes sense. So another thing that we did this year, which actually is something that I wouldn't normally want to admit, but we've gone quite a long time without having a 
designated devoted team member who focuses on corporate training. So this year we have someone in place who's actually been a team member with us for 20 years and experienced almost every department that we have who's focused 100% of her time on customer service training, orienting our new team members on how we operate, what our policies are, but also what our mission is, what our values are, how we handle situations, how we communicate with each other. So we're just five months into this, but it's already made a tremendous change in the way that we're onboarding new folks and also how our existing team members are getting refreshers heading into season. That is, that might be the Clark Twitty of this presentation. Now all of our staff are going to say, why don't we have a trainer? Why don't we have someone completely <laughs> focused on customer service training? What a treat and great idea. Hey, Michelle, before we get into the main topic I want to talk about, which is a little bit about how you're getting away of dependence on third-party booking sites, you mentioned a 50 years. You mentioned Meyer Inspired. I know from chatting with you about last year, and if anybody looks on your Facebook page, they'll see that you gave away 50 free vacations last year to celebrate your anniversary. And again, that must seem so overwhelming to a smaller company listening to this podcast, but just the concept of it is, is intriguing. Can you tell us about that? I had so much fun with that. We talked about it probably two years before our anniversary came up and brainstormed lots of different ways that we could involve our guest base in our anniversary celebration. And we decided that what we would do is offer 50 free vacations throughout the entire year. So anybody who was a guest with us had a chance to win their vacation for free. So it was their existing stay, not a future one. At any point in time, we may have involved guests on Facebook or other avenues and engaged them to say, hey guys, we want to do a drawing this week. Should we do it on the 20th or the 21st or Wednesday or Friday? And so we would identify a day, a whole bunch of different ways throughout the course of the year to do a drawing, run a guest in report, and then get a team member or again, engage guests through our social media community to pick a number and that number correlated with a guest we would get accounting to cut a check for their rent amount. We would load up a carload of people and drive to their unit or arrange to meet them here at the office if it was their arrival day or departure day. And it was very much publisher's clearinghouse style where we had a great big check made out to them. Part of our marketing team was recording with a camera, hence those Facebook videos that you saw. And we presented them with their vacation back and the stories we heard were amazing for me tapping on the door of 50 guests last year and saying hey you know not only are we giving your money back but please tell me why'd you choose Meyer? why'd you choose Gulf Shores Orange Beach area what has your family enjoyed most about their stay and interacting with those folks and getting their stories was a fabulous experience that's fantastic any inappropriate stories you can share with us when you were knocking on those doors <laughs> I wouldn't say inappropriate, but there was a husband and wife at some point last year, and I said, I see that you have made arrangements to come back later in the year. And I don't think I was supposed to have said that because the Mrs. Guest was not aware that the Mr. Guest had made arrangements. Oh my. That is really cool. We're talking about at our company now doing that in a smaller scale, and I would just love to see those faces. That really gave me chills hearing about that. And you get to know your guests, see them. And yes, it cost you money, right, Michelle? It wasn't free to do that. But I think you got an incredible marketing push out of that activity. 
Right. It was an expense, and our owners did not share in that. That was 100% our dime, but it was extremely meaningful for our organization. It was a fabulous opportunity to talk about why we do what we do, not just what we do, but the core, why we do it. It reminded us why we love this industry, and as I mentioned, it's where hashtag Meyer Inspired came from, and hopefully that will live on for many years to come, where our guests, our owners, our internal team members, can continue sharing why they are Meyer inspired. So it was very well worth it. That's great. So I didn't forget what Sarah said just a minute ago. I'm inspired and intrigued by this whole third-party OTA independence. Tell us what's going on there. This has been a topic of conversation for not just months but years with our team. And I think it's a big topic of conversation across our industry for folks who heavily rely on OTAs, those who just kind of sort of do, and those who've held out for all these number of years. There's a mixture of us all over the board. For us, it came down to the realization that we just didn't want to be a victim of short-term thinking. We really wanted to be intentional about where we're headed and to be mindful of the decisions that we're making and how we're going to get there. So a few years ago, we did a retreat, and we always, like most folks, try to theme those retreats. We talked about mindfulness, though, and that really came out through this process. At that particular retreat, the team discussed Viktor Frankl, who was actually a prisoner at Auschwitz, which I think you, can, you have to listen to everything he says after you know what experience he's been through. But he said, you know, there's a space between our power to choose and our response. And that space is where our growth and our freedom lies. And so we thought a lot about that through retreat. And that process came back to me as the team started talking about challenges with the most recent home away agreement. And we just decided we had to make a decision. We could not keep complaining and not acting. And everyone's experience is different. I do want to say that. I'm going to share with you guys on today's podcast our experience, but I know the only constant in the vacation rental industry is that every single one of us is unique and different. There's no black and white. We are a world of gray. It's always interesting to talk about how we handle situations. Our situation is just that. It's ours. It's unique to us. I'm happy to share it, and it could be different for anyone out there listening. And so did you just go cold turkey that we're not using these folks anymore? What happened? So there were lots of layers to our decision-making process. We had to ask the right questions, and after we made that decision, I had a lot of questions come from the outside, and it just reminded me, you really have to think about what you value most. So for us, this was beyond immediate revenue generation. It didn't have anything to do with ease of access or API connections or accessibility. For us, it all boiled down to, again, that long-term stability, long-term growth, where we were going. And as long as I can remember, longer than I've been here, our mission has been to build lifetime relationships with our customers and communities while balancing service, relationships, and profitability. When we started thinking about the partnership that we were in, I felt like the profitability aspect that 
we are rooted in that balances service and relationships, I felt like it was bad profit. And for us, there's a few reasons why I felt that way. Some of the guest feedback that we were getting and confusion on maybe cancellation policies or even how travel insurance sales, the clarity around that or transparency around that. Some of the redaction that has happened on the homeway side with guest contact information, the inability to know who you're talking to on the forefront. There were just a couple things on the guest side. As we got into the conversation, we really broke it down. And our, our initial decision years ago to use HomeAway was really based on our perception of them as an advertising venue, right? We wanted to gain exposure outside of our core market and gain demand outside of our core seasons. And they offered an opportunity to do that. And last year, it was probably around June of last year, HomeAway sent out an announcement. And it, it said in that announcement, more or less, I'll paraphrase, hey guys, we are moving from an advertising venue to a quote unquote booking platform. It is the executives at VRBO or HomeAway who have the right and the, the foresight to move that organization in the direction that they so choose. And I'm sure that they put a lot of thought into that, but I saw it as an intentional departure from the type of marketplace that our partnership with them supported. That shift from an advertising venue to a booking platform. That announcement a year ago really rung in our ears. And some of the other things that came into our decision-making process had to do with the expanded definition of the off-platform bookings. So I'm sure you too and a lot of the listeners are familiar with what I'm talking about. The requirement that a commission be paid even if the original property isn't booked from a lead, but instead a similar property or similar dates or similar destination is chosen, regardless if that owner participates in the HomeAway network. So I have 1,150 owners, my own specific example here. Not all of them want to be on HomeAway or VRBO, and not all of them allow promotions in their properties. So it was very difficult for me to say that I could agree to charge an owner who upfront told me they weren't interested in the platform and did not want promotions on their units to be responsible for a commission if a guest ultimately chose that property instead of the one they had initially inquired on. Hey, Michelle. And, yes. Let, let me just interrupt that for a minute. I'm curious just briefly, why do why would an owner say, I don't want to be on HomeAway? Every owner has their own rationale, but I, I will share with you probably in all of this after I thought through the process, it was an easy decision for us to make. My struggle, my concern was around the expectation of my owner base and what their perception was of the value that the HomeAway network brought them. And a lot of the direct feedback I got after I communicated our decision with my owner base to pull off the network was overwhelmingly supportive. A lot of them used words in terms like intrusive, greed. I had some that said, I applaud your stance. I'm proud that you're doing this. There were just some real affirmations from owners about the direction we're going. So as much as we in the industry talk about HomeAway and VRBO amongst ourselves and what that means, 
to our industry, the disruption, which doesn't have to be a negative disruption. It can be a positive disruption. I think owners sense that too. Owners who use the VRBO platform or have paid attention to the shift in how VRBO has operated. So owners have their own perception too. And, and some of them have held out and not wanted to be on that platform for whatever their reasons may be. What I love about this story too is that you didn't just hide that you went off VRBO and you went cold turkey. Is that right? To Tim's question. But then you told owners in a well-written two-page email to them to explain your approach. Tell us about that. I did. It is very important for me that we're transparent with our owner base. And I'll tell you if I have one regret, there was not a lot of time between the communication I sent to my owners and our decision to implement the change. I think there were just a few days between the notification to them and and us pulling off the, the platform. We and measure things in advance. We wanted to look at the impact that the decision was going to have in revenue by unit size, by unit type, so area, location, proximity to the Gulf, which of our properties were heavier booked on those OTAs. We also did a report that showed 81% of our owners didn't have one or zero reservations in the past year. So I'll just say that again. 81% of our owners saw one or zero reservations on a HomeAway or VRBO network all of last year. So for those guys, we felt it was a pretty easy communication to them. (laughs) We're pulling off of a network that hasn't shown you any value in more than a year. The other 20% of our owners, some of them we had a bit more communication with based off of either how much revenue that OTA pulled in for them, we would break that down into the time of year. So for us, season is summer. A lot of those reservations that occurred in the summertime, we knew that we would fill without an OTA to help us do that because of demand and our own guest base. So we, we really layered the process of analyzing where the impact was going to be and did all that prior to communicating with our owners so that we could proactively apply some marketing technique either to our own pay-per-click budgets or social media outlets or internal marketing campaigns to alleviate or offset some of the immediate impact on the more highly impacted owners. And I'm not sure we covered what percent does or did HomeAway have for your total bookings? Right. So we realize that we are I feel anyway that we are really lucky because we have a fabulous in-house team of marketing professionals that focuses on maintaining our brand and reaching out to our guests and staying front of mind. We obviously have a really heavy focus on guest experience repeat guest experience, building long-term relationships with those experiences so that once we have a guest, they come back to us. So HomeAway as an outlet was single digits for us in terms of both number of reservations we see and our percent of gross rental revenue per year. That's still probably in the thousands of reservations though. So is there a good end of the story as we're approaching season? Have you reaffirmed your position and things are going well? So this 
is all very new for us. You guys have caught me on this podcast talking about a decision that is really, really fresh. So we pulled off of the network on May the 1st. So we're just a couple of weeks into this. And as I mentioned, our season is starting. We have Hangout Music Festival all Actually, those arrivals kick out today. We'll have Memorial Day after that, and then we're in the full swing of our season. So we really anticipate that any impact that we may see from our decision to pull off will be into next year, which gives us some opportunity, a little bit of time to help fill any of the gaps that may be out there. And I think it's time we get to our lightning round, but Michelle, that story is, we're going to have to have you back on in a year if you'll do it and tell us what happened. I think what's so great is that you're trying to fill the hole, even though it's it's a single digit number, it's a big money number and you're working on filling that hole with things like great social media presence and maybe advertising in other areas and If you are going to reduce your dependence on OTAs, I think you need to put money into something else and not just turn them off and go, okay, we just saved 20 grand. Absolutely. And I will say this, that was a money generating avenue for us. We didn't pull off because it didn't generate revenue for us. We pulled off because it wasn't a match in our strategic plan to balance service relationships and profitability. There was an imbalance there and we felt like, We couldn't maintain that. We did not want to continue that partnership unless something shifted or changed. And unfortunately, we couldn't quite get that to happen. So, but you're absolutely right. We have to put our efforts, our energies, and our finances and strategically plan forward for the future to fill any gaps that may happen. Talk about hashtag Meyer Inspired. That's pretty good. (laughs) So it is time for Rapid Fire where we fire at you some inane questions, and you can choose to answer them in a few words or expand a little more if you like. Are you ready? As ready as I can be. (laughs) Okay, start the clock. Favorite social media outlet for your business? Facebook. Makeup towel removers or not? Not. Describe yourself in three words. Oh. (laughs) He gave me this one, too. It's really hard. I feel like you guys should do this one for me. What Tim says and what Sarah says, no. Um, Adventurous? Oh, these are always the hardest questions, and I'm so glad I don't have to interview for jobs anymore. (laughs) I I wasn't expecting to have to answer one of these. It doesn't um, have to be positive. You can just rip on yourself if you want. I can be a procrastinator, which seems contrary to being adventurous maybe sometimes, but in spur of the moment. I I have a hard time dealing with details. I I really work better when something hits me kind of spur of the moment and I don't have to dig deep into something. Type of vehicles you have at your company and the color? They are all white across the board. We actually just replaced a third of our fleet. They are predominantly Ford Transits. We have some Ford F-150s in our maintenance department, and some of our business development or guest relations divisions have escapes. War Eagle or Roll Tide? War Damn Eagle. (laughs) I'm not even sure I know what that means. I know what Roll Tide is. Okay. She's an Auburn fan. Yeah, okay. Both of my brothers went to Auburn, and I went to a very tiny liberal arts college that didn't have a football team, so I backed my brothers on that one. One prediction you have for our industry in the next year? I think our industry will have a much stronger 
book direct campaign and network a year from now. All right, Miss Adventurous, one thing on your bucket list. Fiji is on my bucket list. What was your first job at Meyer when you were little coming and working for your mom? <laughs> they would put me and David Harris in a room. He and I went to school together, kindergarten through graduation. Our mothers worked together. And I remember us sitting in the conference room, peeling labels off of these printed sheets and sticking them to our Treasures of the Gulf mailer that went out, which was our vacation brochure that went out. So we would just hang out in the conference room and work our little fingers raw, getting <laughs> stickers off of labels and putting them on brochures. Contract cleaners or employees? Employees. Do you fold towels in a special fancy way or just plain? Some of our housekeepers do. We don't require them to, so we usually keep them just neatly folded and we'll place them in the bathrooms. But we do have some housekeepers who'll get fancy and make animals on beds every now and again. Okay, I've got two more. Bad habit you are working on losing. Oh, my goodness. Denial. So... I have a Jeep Wrangler, and it has the top off right now, and they have been telling me it's going to rain all week, and I have been in denial because I wanted to drive around without my top on, and yesterday it rained, and I had to go home soaking wet. <laughs> it ain't just a river in Egypt. Okay, do you text guests or not? Yes. Not everything, but we do with some arrival codes or early outs or things like that. What book are you currently reading? I just started, actually, with all of this going on that we've talked about, rereading Prisoners of Our Thoughts, which is just a really fun book. It's actually a lot about Viktor Frankl, who we talked about a bit earlier in the podcast. Oh, I'm going to read that. Okay, this is my last question. Floribama, visit it or avoid? Depends on the time of year. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Floribama is a raunchy bar near where Michelle lives. <laughs> it's authentic. <laughs> oh, yes. It's authentic bar near where Michelle lives. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Michelle, as usual, you win nothing but our appreciation <laughs> for playing. So thanks for playing our inane game. And now it's time for Not So Hot Off the Press, but definitely happening. And on this one, we have an expert in the house, and we are revisiting a Not So Hot Off the Press segment we did Boy, a couple of months ago now, and that is the whole idea of regulations of vacation rentals in Orange Beach, Alabama. And I think you have a number of rentals there, and we'd love to have uh, your take on what's going on down there. We do have a number of rentals in Orange Beach. We love Orange Beach. We have been there forever. Large portion of our inventory is there. I actually am a resident of Orange Beach, proud to be, as of this year. And that caused quite the uproar everywhere. It was initially a huge shock for me for a lot of the same reasons that you guys spoke about on the podcast previous to this one. But you know, the more conversation that took place around that, I started going to city council meetings. A lot of us did, and a lot of folks spoke to the council and the mayor. And as that worked itself out, it turned out to be, I believe, a, a positive movement for Orange Beach. Our area is not immune, like most of us, to workforce challenges. We have a huge workforce shortage. We are an island, so housing is also an issue. Transportation and traffic becomes an issue. And what we have seen is a lot of 
zoned residential areas being vacated because they can, through OTA sites that have come online, make more money and higher profits with short-term rentals than long-term rentals. So residential homes were selling and turning to short-term rentals in areas that were never intended and never zoned that way. That's basically what the city has has prevented. It did not impact any of our short-term vacation rentals on our beach area. And everyone who had a business license, who was renting legally with a business license, even in a residential area, has been grandfathered in. Their business license will increase to $500 a year, but they will be allowed to continue renting. Of course, when they sell their property, they will no longer be allowed to. But I had an opportunity over the holidays to visit Iceland. I was speaking with one of the residents there and he said, you know, tourism has tripled here since 2015, tripled on that little island. And he said he had grown up in the core of town and he had been moved more than 35 minutes outside of where he had lived his whole life because this very thing was happening there. So I think it is something that we are probably all seeing and something that we're a lot of our cities and municipalities are trying to figure out how to deal with and how to balance an industry that is so profitable and so impactful for the community with a sense of community and a place for those of us who work in the community to live and have a livelihood. So all in all, I think that the city ended up with a a win-win scenario. I think it's so interesting. There's always two sides of the story, different ways to look at it. And we were hearing it's all bad. It's all bad. But you can see how there's good in regulation. It depends how you look at it and what your approach is. So thanks for sharing that. And that's the voice of Michelle Hodges, who is the president of Meyer Vacation Rentals in Alabama. And the author of Hashtag Meyer Inspired. And so we certainly are Meyer Inspired by you being here today. And thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle. And we'll see you soon. Okay, guys. Good luck this summer. Thank you. All right, that'll do it, Sarah. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody. Bye-bye, Tim. Thank you for listening to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast. Brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website. See to ski with sarahnt.com, where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics. We look forward to speaking with you next time on See to Ski with Sarah and T.